that tells the entire purpose of the gospel in a nutshell. The whole Bible does so. The entire New Testament does so. Uh, along with John 3.16, these passages tell a whole lot about the gospel. Many people don't know it, but John 3.16 not only tells the gospel what it is, but it tells the history of the gospel. And only God can show you things like that. This passage tells uh, the gospel and refers to the gospel of the grace of God, but goes further and tells the purpose of the gospel and the purpose of salvation. And not only that, but about the future of the gospel and how that we ought to be looking forward to the second coming of Christ. Whereas John 3.16 told us the history of the gospel and the gospel. And not only that, this passage is so powerful and so broad, but yet succinct. It tells you how you ought to behave because of the grace of God that brought salvation, how you ought to live in this present world. And understand now, for most writers, they do not use unnecessary words. That's, that's in the natural. Uh, certainly, that is the case in the supernatural. When we're talking about God and the Bible, God did not waste words. Every word he wrote is important. And what you might miss in this passage especially for those of us Christians who have been saved a while, is the importance of the word present in this present world. In this present world, how we ought to live. See, we we have a whole lot of uh, pie-in-the-sky Christians, really. They won't they won't claim that. They won't uh, uh, say they are, but they are. Especially when it comes down to how they're going to live. Oh, they 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 all about living good in heaven. But see, what God wants, you better live good in heaven if you get to heaven. But everybody singing about heaven ain't going. Now you you need to understand that. And that's where this passage is. 
And that's the message of the New Testament. All religious people are not going to heaven. You, you must be born again. And, for example, I believe Nicodemus got born again. He had a with Jesus. And he walked away convinced. And I believe the man got saved. And let me show you two categories uh, in the church. And, 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 his, and his brethren, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees, not only are they, uh, not only do they go to hell, they're the ones responsible for putting Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, on the cross. To show you the different groups in the church. And then we have the crowd who was with Jesus at the uh, Jesus Christ University, the first one, who, as soon as trouble came, some serious trouble came. See, with most of us, uh, <laughs> it's serious trouble if it's the hospital or it's time to be arrested for something. Now, that's serious trouble. And, and trouble came, they failed Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and they forsook Jesus at the cross. Thank God for the mothers who were standing by, and thank God for faithful John. But the other disciples forsook him. We have, we have all of those folks in the church today. Nicodemus, saved and religious and faithful. The disciples, who are scared and worried about what the world's going to do to them. And then the Pharisees and Sadducees, who put Jesus on the cross, lying, lied on him, and put him on the cross. We have folks like that in the church today, those groups. What group are you in? Ladies and gentlemen, I haven't even announced the title of the message. But I want you to hear it. It's not cute. The grace of God and the second coming of Jesus Christ should produce changed behavior, may I say, from your heart, in your life, as a Christian, in this present world. Not when you get to heaven. If you make it to heaven, you better act right in heaven. Uh, and only, the only people who are going to heaven who are people who want to live heavenly down here. Who are living a holy and godly life down here. You need to understand that. So it's, going to be, it's not going to be a big deal living a holy life up there. If it's a struggle... 
uh, up there, then that, that's a problem. Uh, shouldn't be no, shouldn't be any struggle uh, uh, to live holy in heaven. And this is the second coming, part three, rather, of this sermon series. Second coming, chapel sermon three eighteen. That's three hundred and eighteen Saturdays preaching on the second coming of Christ. Titus chapter two verses eleven through fourteen. For the grace of God, now listen very carefully to this passage. Do not take it lightly. And it's deep. Listen to every word. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. So nobody can say, God predestinated me to hell. You ought not to slander God like that. God has never predestinated anybody to hell. Right here in this passage, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, red, yellow, black, and white, we're all precious in his sight, teaching us that denying ungodliness Okay, see, the grace of God brings salvation, my sweet charismatics, my sweet evangelicals, my sweet independent Baptists, and Southern Baptists, and National Baptists, and AME, all, all, all of you uh, folk. For the grace of God, I understand the connection here, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation... The grace of God brings salvation, and it has appeared to all men, nobody's left out, teaching us, teaching us, what is teaching us? The grace of God that brings us salvation. Huh? It does not teach us that we can sin all we want to and just and, 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 and say a few words of confession and keep on going. And and uh, and call that uh, Christianity. The grace of God has nothing to do with sin. The grace of God appeared because of sin in your life, in my life, and brought salvation if we would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Once we do that, the grace of God that bring of salvation to all men will begin to teach us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts yes that means lusting after fine women you women lusting after men hopefully you men lusting after women hopefully some of y'all got some other kind of lust going on now we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present world. Now, let me just help you. For some of you who are not getting this and why I'm emphasizing this, maybe you have never been saved, maybe you have never been born again, or maybe you're very young in the Lord. I'll give you that. But those of you who have truly been saved for a while, uh, this ought to be uh, taking you somewhere as a Christian. 
I'm not trying to move you like some preachers. I want you to be moved by the word of God and the Holy Spirit of God because that will stick. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world today. Not tomorrow in heaven, today. God wants us to live holy. God wants us to live righteously in this present world. Because, see, the grace of God that brought salvation, which is the true uh, gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, once that enters into your life, Jesus enters into your life, you are going to change from the inside out. You will not be perfect, but you will be far better than what you were, and you will be keenly interested in living a holy life, and you will have a problem with sin in your life, if you say. If you can slide, I mean, lie and giggle, steal and giggle, commit fornication and giggle, commit homosexuality and giggle, commit adultery and giggle, and, and it doesn't phase you, it doesn't bother you, I assure you, and we need to hear more of this, you have never been born again. It's not a hope so thing. This, this is a for sure, for sure thing. Either you're saved or you're lost. You're in or you're out. It's one or the other. And watch this. Now it takes us into the future looking for that blessed hope or that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That ought to also, from that end, lead you to live a holy and godly and clean life. And you have to have the want to in you to do that. I am not trying to preach to people who are lost don't know Jesus, mad as the devil that they're even in a service, tried to hinder the service, they hate the service, they hate God, they hate Jesus. I'm not trying to conform you into this. You don't even have a heart for it. And you know it. You're just going through the motions. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's another uh, indicator. If you're not looking for him, you, you're only concerned about yourself and what's going on right now with you and why things are not going the way you want them to go. And you're not looking for his appearing who gave himself for us the same Savior that is coming back for us. He earlier gave himself for us John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. Redeem us from what? Redeem us from a life of in and out of sin. Redeem us uh, from a life of thinking that God's grace is is only there to forgive us uh, of our sins when we sin repeatedly in his sight. 
And there's no repentance? I don't think so. And purified himself a peculiar people, a peculiar people, a people who are different. Are you a different kind of a person compared to the world? Zealous of good works. If you're born again, if you're saved, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, you will be zealous of good works. You will be interested in doing something for God, for the glory of God. It'll be in your heart, your mind, your soul, your spirit. He'll put it there. Let's pray. Holy Father God, I pray, Lord, tonight in the holy name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I praise you and I thank you for your mercy, your love, and your grace. Your holy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the grace of God that brought salvation through him so that we can live holy and godly lives and not live unholy lives and unclean lives. We, I praise you and thank you for your Holy Spirit and your Holy Word and for all of the millions and many and manifold blessings that you have bestowed upon us. I praise you and thank you for the services earlier today. I praise you and I thank you, Lord, for the privilege of prayer to you. And Lord, I pray that you would grant each and every one of us who are saved by your grace, Lord, to pray, grant us the energy and the strength and your grace to pray, to read your holy word, to uh, understand your holy word, to comprehend your holy word, uh, to obey your holy word, and to apply it to our lives, to teach it to others, to preach it to others, and to preach your holy gospel to others even tonight. And Holy Father God, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I still pray as I have for 34 years now, for the salvation of my wife, Marika White, and for others in our family uh, who will not proudly uh, relinquish the past and embrace you now in a humble way and believe in you uh, to the point of changed behavior in life that comes with those who are truly born again. And Lord, I do pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that for people in churches all over the world, religious but lost. And Holy Father God, I pray tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, that you would cast out the devil and the demons of hell and the satanic, demonic spirit of Judas, Jezebel, Sanballat, and Tobias out of my wife's life, 
uh, here on Mother's Day Eve. Uh, I am still praying that and praying for her miraculous salvation. I pray that you'll cast uh, the devil and the demons of hell in the satanic spirit of Judas, Jezebel, Sanballat, and Tobias out of her life and out of the lives of other people in our family who have that problem and other people uh, here who have that problem and outside of here who have that problem. And uh, Holy Father God, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would rebuke and bind the devil, his demons, and his hosts from the minds of these people. Uh, many of them have Pharaoh-style pride, which is very deadly and soul-damning stubbornness and rebelliousness and witchcraft. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by your grace, by the power of your Holy Spirit, let your will be done and cast those demons out. And Lord, even now, finally, the uh, secular psychology, uh, major psychology organization, has finally uh, placed demon possession in their um, main book that describes various and sundry things that impact people's lives spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally. Something you have already told us about and revealed to us in your word. It is uh, still with us today. And so, Holy Father God, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ this evening, give us sweet victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. And Lord, we pray that you would save those who are lost, revive those who are saved, heal those who are sick, comfort those who are grieving uh, all around the world. Help us to glorify your holy name, and if we fail, Lord, glorify your holy name based upon your holy word and how you see fit. And if we fail to lift up your Holy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that you would take it up and lift him up and draw others unto himself, unto him and for salvation. And uh, Lord, we pray that your holy name will be glorified and Jesus Christ exalted. For it is in his name we pray and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. You might need to put this on you. Here, give that to him. You need to put this on you. Right there. Just plug it in over there. Either one of them. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers, and sisters in Christ Jesus. The grace of God and the second coming of Jesus Christ
the grace of God and salvation and the second coming of Jesus Christ should produce change, changed behavior in your life as a Christian. That's a long title. It's not fancy. Uh, it's not cute. You can live any old kind of way. God's grace is going to cover it. If you have that mentality, you have never been saved by the grace of God. People who are truly saved don't think like that. They just don't even think stupid like that. They don't. And that is what's wrong with the church today. And has been now for many years. You know why we have so many false pastors quitting, I mean so many pastors quitting, is because they, they, they've been false pastors and false preachers, hirelings, only in it for the money, only in it to style and profile and not teach and preach the truth to people and examine people and help people to examine themselves to see whether or not they be in the faith. We're calling hundreds of people saved who have never been born again. And when they mess up and marry and divorce and marry and divorce and marry three and four times, they always have their little uh, uh, hangers-on people, the groupies that they carve out of a, a weak uh, Christian church who defend them and their multiple divorces, multiple uh, marriages, multiple abortions, and, and they still go and support them and send them money anyhow. And adultery, multiple wives, multiple husbands, uh, hoeing around lesbians, homosexuality, homosexuals in the church. They have their groupies that they have carved out of what was supposed to be the church. No matter what they do, they're always holding up a candle for them. It, it is a sickness. It's, it's quite disgusting what has happened to the church in modern days because of this false teaching. Hundreds of books, it's not this way. Hundreds of books have been written on this false grace. Some call it hyper-grace. Some are right there on the uh, edge. They haven't gone over into hyper-grace, but they're right there, close. Uh, just understand, people, once you take part in the grace of God that brings salvation, your life will change. You will have a different heart, a new heart towards sin. You will hate sin. You will not like sin. You will feel guilty every time you sin. And uh, you will hate the, the first line of chastisement that 
God does to you, and that is broken fellowship. I know that I know that this is not popular, but it needs to be heard. I suggest to you that if you feel otherwise and you're mad about what I'm telling you, you have never been saved, man. Woman. You mad at God because you can't do what you want? You can't get away with what you want to get away with? Uh, people are killing themselves because they can't have their way. They can't do what they want to do. Because God is doing a new thing. And nobody wants God to do this new thing. And so there's a whole lot of heaping rebelliousness going on in, in, the, in the lives of individuals, in families, in churches, across this country and around the globe because God is chastising and rebuking the church and the people in the church and taking many home in the great country of America. How could it be the country that created flying like a bird. The country that is home to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube, the home of Hollywood and uh, television where millions around the world, billions, watch what goes on in America. How could it be that we lead the world in deaths? And that's the official lying count. The unofficial count is more like three to four million people have died in America. Why? Because of this foolishness. Abusing the grace of God. Now you know you're in trouble when you abuse the grace of God. You're in real trouble when you abuse the grace of God. And you lie on God and try to put him down with your sin when God is totally against sin. He allowed his son Jesus Christ to suffer, to bleed, and to die for sin. And you think you're going to get away with that foolishness, lying on the grace of God? Frustrating the grace of God, as one Bible writer put it. Don't frustrate the grace of God, man. Don't play with God's grace. First of all, His grace is, is an expression of His love for you to save you from the hell that you deserve. It's sad to say, some of you, not all of you, but some of you are not going to appreciate the grace of God until you're in hell. Some of you folks are mad because you can't get with Bo Peep. 
because God has separated you. Some of you are mad because you can't continue the whoredom and the swinging and the whoremongering around in the church. <clears throat> Why? Because God has separated you. Now some of you are scared to death to even have anybody breathe on you, much less go and kiss somebody and have sex with somebody. The devil is a lie. Charles Spurgeon said, the certainty of the second coming of Jesus Christ should touch, and only Spurgeon can say it like this, tincture <clears throat> every part of our daily behavior. Allow me to say that again. Charles Spurgeon said, The certainty of the second coming of Jesus Christ should touch and tincture every part of our daily behavior. And that is so true. And so should the grace of God that bringeth salvation. On this end, it should touch and tincture every part of our Christian life and our behavior. And the second coming on this end should. Both of them meeting in together, uh, meeting together in the middle ought to make you act right. Talk right. Do right. Do what the Bible tells you. Don't get mad at the Bible, honey child. Don't get mad at the Word of God. My friend, do what the Word of God says if you are a child of God. Because you know better. And so, beloved, in this message, we are going to continue looking at what Paul wrote to Titus about how Christians should live in light of the salvation of God and the second coming of God. The BKC commentary goes on to share for background information uh, which I love to know about and to give to you. Instead of me trying to plagiarize what they have said, I just read and share with you what they said. You get the same thing I'm getting. Uh, in seminary, they teach you to summarize and, and never even give the people credit from where you summarize it from which is plagiarism and yes we do have some uh, preachers who commit the sin of plagiarism all the time they never give anybody credit they try to act like they came up with it and we all know they didn't we can look at them and tell. But that's what they teach you in seminary. It must all come from you, like you're the original source. 
Paul had been exploring the affirmation that godly living is demanded by God's truth, yea, by God's grace, yea, by God's salvation, yea, by the hope of the second coming of Christ. Holy living ought to be in place with all of that. I mean, really, when you look at it, that's, that's a matter of common sense. By God's truth. Now, he changed his focus to explore that central aspect of God's truth which demands godly living, God's grace, God's salvation, God's second coming, demand godly living. Now, the Holy Spirit will help us. He's not going to do it all for us because we are free moral agents. So we have some responsibility. Grace. The word for suggests that here is the theological foundation for what the the apostle had just written when fully understood. It is the gospel of the grace of God, watch this, which teaches Christians how to live holy, godly, and righteous lives. If that's not happening in your life, it may not happen as fast as others, but it should be happening. Anytime you tell a lie, you should be feeling some compunction or conviction where you want to confess that as sin. Why? Because you have Jesus, the Holy Ghost, living on the inside of you. Every time you have an evil thought, even before uh, you uh, continue thinking about it, there's something on the inside of you telling you not. You, you know you'll not be thinking about that. Where, where, what is that? Where does that come from? You didn't have that before. That's God. That's Jesus. That's the Holy Ghost of God. You run across an article that has a beautiful woman. There's something on the inside of you that's telling you don't stay there. Don't click that button. Is that not right? Save people. And if you do it, you're going to feel guilty. Where does that come from? It comes from God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Because salvation, the grace of God that brings salvation is going to help you, motivate you, push you, lead you, convict you to live right, to love right, to think right, to do right, and to be very, very careful how you live your life. This grace has brought salvation to all men, red, yellow, black, and white. We're all precious in God's sight. That is, it is universally available to everybody, full and free. You don't have to pay a dime for it. All you have to do is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he'll save your soul. This salvation that grace brings is free. It is a free gift. You don't have to work for it. But once you get saved, 
you have to uh, buy into what Jesus Christ said. If you love me, keep my commandments. And in, in another passage, my commandments are not grievous. So it's up to you. What are you going to do? Mildew or barbecue? It's up to you. Because the Holy Spirit of God will help you to have self-control. You don't need to be walking around here out of control. Angry and bitter and tossed to and fro by every devil and every demon and every Judas. Don't let the devil and the demons of hell and the Judases from hell take you to hell. Because that's why they're, that's why they're here. The references to God as Savior prompted Paul to affirm the universal availability of salvation through Jesus Christ. The message of God's grace when its full implications are seen leads Christians, watch this, negatively to say no to ungodliness. What is ungodliness? Anything that's not of God or like God. That means anything that's evil. Anything that's wicked. Anything that is ungodly. All sin is ungodly. Breaking any of the commandments of God is ungodly. And worldly passions all caught up in the world. Not realizing that getting all caught up in the world will choke the life out of your spiritual life. And will choke you down to the ground and make you uh, not effective in your Christian life. There are people who claim to be Christians today. They're all about shopping. They're all about uh, the NBA uh, fake basketball games, the NFL fake basketball, fake football, and fake hockey, and all of the rigged sports. They're caught up with uh, everything that's going on in the world to the point where they have squeezed God out of their lives or the passions, the worldly passions have squeezed God out of their lives. Jesus talked about this, by the way. And then positively, to live self-controlled, upright, and holy and godly lives in this present world. That's right, contrary to what the preaching, the preaching that you've heard down through the years, God wants you to live holy and godly in this present world. Some of you are living more holy now than ever because of this coronavirus plague. Oh, you're living holy now. God is helping you very much so because you don't want to is, is either be with Bo Peep and, and hope that I don't die I'll be with Sylvia and hope that I don't die. 
don't get involved with Bo Peep or Sylvia anymore so that I can live. You do know that many people have died trying to see Bo Peep. Trying to see Sylvia. They, and they went over there. They did what they wanted to do with, with a mask on. And still caught it. Caught the coronavirus plague and other diseases and died. God is very loving but he does not play. The old folks used to say the wheels of God grind slow but they grind slow. Do not mess with God. Do not play with God's grace. It is not for you to play with. The gospel of grace affects one's present behavior in this present world. If you're saved, you're not going to be mad as the devil all of the time. If you're saved, you're not going to fall into every sin and be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine or every wind of the devil or every wind of a Judas. The gospel of grace affects one's present behavior on the one hand by focusing on God's unmerited favor, favor, his grace in the past, the grace that brought salvation. But the gospel also promotes godly living, that is, believing and uh, looking forward to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians look forward to the blessed hope or the blessed hope. The glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you looking forward to the blessed hope or the blessed hope? Are you born again? Are you saved by the grace of God that brought salvation? If not, my dear friend, get saved right now. If you are saved, act like you're saved and stop acting like the devil and looking like the devil and talking like the devil and all caught up in the world like the devil. That's if you're truly saved. If you're not truly saved and you just think you are because you have been a member of the church and you have done work in the church for so many years, that does not mean that you're saved. So I'm preaching the gospel to saved people. Out, I mean, uh, I'm preaching the gospel to rather lost people in the church and outside of the church. Religious people and irreligious people. And so, dear friend, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to get to know him as your Savior. It's up to you. God will not make you, and I cannot make you. So, if you want to be saved tonight from hell and from the power of sin, and you want to be saved to heaven... First, dear friend, accept the fact 
that you are a sinner and that you have broken God's law. The Bible makes it very clear in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. Would you accept that? You will be surprised how many people don't accept that. They don't accept the fact that they have sinned. And for many, it is a pride thing. They want to appear to be perfect. But we're not perfect, are we? In fact, you've said that yourself. Nobody's perfect. When you have failed, you said nobody's perfect. And you were right. But before you said that, God said it. For we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So has the Pope and all other Popes. So has the Dalai Lama, all bishops, all priests, all pastors, including Joel Osteen, the pastor of the largest church in America. He's a sinner too. I am a sinner. It's hard for us to say that, isn't it? But have you ever lied before? Tell the truth and shame the devil. You will never really truly be free until you can tell the truth, my dear friend, and let the chips fall where they may. You'll never be free until you stop trying to fake like you're perfect in front of other people. So tell the truth. Have you ever stolen anything? From your parents, well, I stole some change. The question still remains, have you stolen anything, whether there's some change or not? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, you have. Yes, ma'am. Have you ever lusted after, coveted after somebody else Uh, or, or something else? That's a sin against God. Lusting after somebody or something is a sin against God. Have you ever dishonored or disobeyed your parents in your life? Yes, you have. And that's a sin against God. Have you ever uh, dishonored God? by taking his name in vain, cursing with his name, lying, you know you stole it, and you put your hand on the Bible, raise your right hand up in the air, and we'll swear and affirm that you did not do so with the food and the cookie in your mouth. The devil is a lie. We all have sinned, admit it. Stop trying to lie about it. Stop trying to cover it up. He who covers his sin shall not prosper, the Bible says. Confess your sins, tell the truth, and then believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and ask God for, your, uh, ask God for his forgiveness. And be saved and forgiven. Second, accept the fact, dear friend, that there is a penalty for sin. The Bible states in Romans 6.23 very clearly the wages of sin is death. 
we die because of sin. We die because of sin. We don't die because of the cardiac arrest. We don't die because of cancer. We don't die because of a car crash. We, car, we die uh, because of our sin. And God wants you to understand that if he will allow you to die from this beautiful earth, from your sin, he will allow you to die and go to hell for your sin if you do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, his son. And hell is a very real place. Jesus Christ preached more on hell than anybody in the Bible. In one of his sermons, uh, he preached on hell so hard, he mentioned the fire of hell six times. So accept the fact, dear friend, that you are on the road to hell. Jesus Christ said in Mark 9, 43, And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Hell is a real place. Hell is a place of torment. Hell is a place of pain. Hell is a place of an agonizing memory. Hell is a is an awful place to spend eternity. But that's how bad sin is in God's sight. But God has prepared a way for you to get out of this bad news. Hell is bad news. But God has some good news for you. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, said the most loving, most powerful, and most important words ever said to mankind in the history of the world. When he said in John 3.16 to Nicodemus one night, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Just believe, dear friend, in your heart that Jesus Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose from the dead by the power of God for you so that you can live forever with him. 
Pray and ask him to come into your heart to save your soul today, and he will save you. Romans 10, 9 and 13 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou you shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from hell. Saved to what? Saved to heaven to be with God. It is your choice. God has done all he could do to save you from hell. Now it is up to you to believe in his Son, Jesus Christ, by faith. Pray and ask him to save your soul. Call on his name, and he will save you. So follow me in what is called the sinner's prayer. Repeat after me, phrase by phrase, and mean it from your heart. Let's pray. Repeat after me. Holy Father God, I admit that I am a sinner and that I have done evil in your sight. Repeatedly. I understand that I deserve to go to hell because of my sins. For Jesus Christ's sake, please have mercy and grace upon my soul. Please forgive me of all of my sins. As I now believe with all of my heart in your Holy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who suffered, bled, and died on the cross for my sins, was buried, and rose on the third day by your power. Lord Jesus Christ, please come into my heart and into my spirit and save my soul today. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to truly change. Help me to repent of all of my sins. Help me to turn from my evil lifestyle and ways. And help me to follow you, Lord Jesus Christ, in the new life. In Jesus Christ's name I do pray and for his sake. Amen. Now, dear friend of mine, if you just believed in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you prayed that prayer with me and you meant it from your heart, I declare to you that based upon the Word of God, that is the Holy Bible, that I have been preaching from this whole time, you are now saved from hell and you are on your way to heaven. Welcome to the family of God, dear friend. Congratulations on doing the most important thing in life, and that is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, as he said for you to do.
now as your Lord and Savior. For more information to help you grow in your newfound faith in Jesus Christ, please go to gospellightsociety.com and read my book titled, What to Do After You Enter Through the Door. Jesus Christ said in John 10:9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Until next time, my beloved, God loves you, we love you, and may God bless you real good is my prayer. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, make sure that you pray without ceasing throughout this night and throughout the remainder of your life. And uh, as a Christian, make sure you read the Bible and meditate on the Word of God and obey the Word of God. And as a Christian, with God's help, it's easier. So let's all stand for our closing prayer for all of you godly, uh, loving uh, mothers out there who have loved your children, taken care of your children, did what you had to do to make sure that they were all right. May God bless you. Have a happy Mother's Day as you deserve. And I say it that way. I know many people don't like it, but all mothers don't deserve a happy Mother's Day because they did not do the job. And you must understand that's how God's economy is. We do not, God does not reward evil, and nor should we. But thank God for those good mothers who have made a difference in the lives of their children who are excelling and going on and they have loving, balanced lives themselves because they had a balanced uh, mother and a loving mother. Uh, Happy Mother's Day to you. And to the fathers out there who had to take up the slack, may God bless you as well. Let's all pray. Holy Father God, we praise you and we thank you for this magnificent time together around your holy word. And, uh, Lord, I pray that it would make a difference in the lives of people by helping them to understand something that they probably did not understand. That once you save us, you expect us to live a holy life. Uh, Once we experience your grace and your salvation, we ought to uh, understand how to live a godly life, a holy life, and a righteous life. And from that, Lord, as you have proven, comes many, many blessings. So, Lord, do whatever you need to do in our lives to get our attention and to do your will. In Jesus Christ's name I do pray and for his sake. Amen. God bless you, dear friends. Until next time.